Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined of course by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello everybody. And today we are back with another current events, Monday slash Tuesday slash whenever the heck this thing gets released. Holiday seasons are chaotic, as mm. you all know, and that chaos is not exclusive to you in the audience. It's also us. Haha. <laughs> yep, we're people too with lives. And so um, we'll see if this gets released Monday night or Tuesday. I don't even know. We'll just we'll have to see got to call up my stupid head editor and see if he can actually, you know, get to work. Sheesh, that guy. He doesn't do anything. It's me. <laughs> um, so we have a lot to talk about today. We're going to be getting into some education-related stuff. We're going to get into some linguistics. Yeah, that's right. Today you're going to learn French. Um, and then we're also going to talk about uh, why language matters, where it comes from, why it's so important, biblically speaking. So we've got a lot on our Palette, lot on the docket to discuss today. We hope you're excited, uh, and we are too, actually, because this is the first time we're back for a current events Monday in a while. It, fe- it feels like forever. Um, but uh, Jake has quite the lineup for us, so thanks for putting that all together, Jake. Yep. Speaking of which, Jake also put together this verse of the week that we're about to go over, so this is going to be exciting. Um, we, for our verse of the week, are going to talk about Jeremiah 23 verses 1 through two. It'll be kind of brief because Jacob's really going to address this a lot in his uh, in his chat when he's going through his current events. So uh, this will be a little briefer than usual, but uh, we still have to address it, of course. So here we go. Jeremiah 23, one through two says, woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Ye have scattered my flock, and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 1 through 2. We harp on this show, and if you're any sort of a listener at all, long time or short time, um, you've probably heard us harp on the pulpit today. This is something that we just hammer over and over and over again because, like all of you, I hope, we are in church every single Sunday. And like all of you, I hope, we are longing to see the church grow. We're longing to learn from uh, the sermons we sit through. We're longing to learn from the services we sit through. We're longing to learn from the songs as we admonish and instruct each other through singing the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs that we should be singing every week, right? We long to learn from all of these things and see the church grow. But if the church growing doesn't mean the growing of the kingdom of God, then we have a problem. If the church growing doesn't mean more discipling of the town that the church or city or of the town or the city that the church is in, then we have a problem. If the church growing doesn't mean we are now learning how to apply scripture to every aspect of our lives, then we have a problem. And and that's the case for so many churches today. That's why we harp on it so much. So many pastors neglect to preach the whole counsel of God. So many pastors today are lazy and they want to keep their wealth. 
So they don't want to preach a sermon that will offend people or that might call them to too much action or might uh, provoke them. So they simply take it easy. They relax. They preach nice, heartwarming sermons. Or they preach the exact same limited salvation message over and over again, going directly contrary to the writer of Hebrews when he says, stop laying again a foundation, build the house. So this passage Jacob picked out, I can't wait to hear what he says about it on Wednesday, is marvelous because it's directly speaking to this issue, which is, I would argue, one of the largest issues today. Not Bidenomics, Biden economics, right? Not corruption, not the deep state, not any of those things, mm. because those are merely symptoms. They are symptoms of a weakened church. And we have a weakened church because we have weakened pastors. And so this verse is completely apropos to this entire topic. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. This is serious stuff, and God takes this very seriously. So Jacob is going to be digging in deep to this topic today, hitting it hard. Uh, but he's also got a whole lineup of, of other stuff to talk about. So thank you, Jake, for your research. Let's dive in. What do you got for us today? So you have heard of social justice and even criminal justice reform. But have you heard of language justice? Probably not, because Denver is now the first school district to create, and I quote, a long-term goal of obtaining language justice. So, of course, the very apparent question is, and hopefully everyone is asking this if there are listeners here and they're trying to think through this, what is language justice? What What is that? What What have we coined this now? Why... Why do we put justice as a term, as a very good biblical term, now used it to uh, do horrible things, horrible, horrible things? So, thankfully, uh, theblaze.com, uh, their article that I'm using, they were very thorough, and they have given us a quote, which gives us, in a sense, a definition. Now, this quote is by Center Square, which I don't quite know what that is, um, but the center square defines language justice and how they define it is language justice is the notion of respecting every, every individual's fundamental language rights to be able to communicate, understand and to, to be understood in the language in which they prefer and feel most articulate and powerful. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, to give this definition a little bit more meaning, and why am I talking about it? Well, and Denver, right? Denver has created a policy within the Denver public schools to allow non-English speakers to speak their native language. Now, not just speak their native language. Let me give this a little bit more context before that. Before everyone's like. Uh, oh, great, they're just going to let them speak the language. I worded that a little bit weirdly. But uh, this policy, what it does is basically these non-English speakers now are being taught in their language. So now they're being taught math, taught, taught grammar, taught everything else, but in their language in the U.S., 
which is a little bit, little bit odd. Um, and I'll kind of speak to that a little bit more. This policy, of course, is backed by emotional science and gaslighting. Because, of course, uh, if you disagree, you are a racist and are supporting an oppressive old system. Because, you know, you can't, we can't seem to find a better argument besides if you don't agree with us, you're a bad man. So, um, but, I'm kind of leading into this, I, I definitely, I, I don't agree with this. And any chance I could get a few of your takes on this, Bruce. Like, just a few of your first, like, thoughts about this. Just hearing about, like, now that they're teaching in a different language within the U.S., but purely doing only that. They're not yeah. teaching English. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, 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 the crazy thing is that when you go to another country, what are they going to make you do, right? You go to Europe, you go to where, wherever you're going, the first thing they're going to have you do is, well, you need to learn our language, right? We're not going to just bend. Um, you go to China, you go anywhere else. Now, is it right mm -hmm. to compare ourselves to China? Is it right to compare ourselves to those other people? Other people? Not, not really, right? But still... There is, and we're going to talk about this later on when we get to more of the theological explanation for language, there is still a learning that's involved, right? Like, why would someone move out of their own country? Why? Why did you move? Oh, you, you moved here for the freedoms that we used to have in America. Oh, okay, well, that's great. I'm glad you, you read your history books and you thought there was freedom here. That's awesome. Um, sorry, you were wrong, but, you know, that's great that you came here. Um Cool. So, you know, if you're moving here for those reasons, you're here and you're, you're going to learn this lifestyle. You're going to learn the language yeah. we speak. You're going to learn our customs. You're going to, you know, when someone comes into another country, you're not going there to, oh, we're going to make it like us, right? Now, there's one exception to that rule, and that's when you're bringing biblical truth to bear on a nation, right? Like we'll go into Africa, we'll go into all these other places and bring the Bible to bear on a culture. But otherwise, when you're coming into a culture, and even in those instances, we have to translate. We translate the Bible into French. We translate the Bible into whatever the local language is, right? Um, because that's, that's the custom. It's a group of people. Yeah. And you're not coming here to make America Mexico. You're coming here to strengthen America, to make America America. Right. If I were to go to Mexico, I wouldn't be going to Mexico to make Mexico America. That's why I'm not going to, to Mexico because I don't want to live in Mexico. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it's just a, it, it, they they're acting like foreign invaders mm -hmm. and we're not treating them as such, which is interesting. Yeah, I think um, that's very true. And it's like when you think of France, right, you if you go to France, what, what language are they going to speak? They're going to speak French, right? There's a reason they speak French. It's because they're, that's their culture, right? It's assumed. And you do go to these certain places. You do go to tourist areas. And I think this is where people can get confused is that when you go to other countries, you go to tourist, area, tourist areas, right? You go there and there are people who do speak English happens to be the America's one of the one of the main tourist um uh they normally will go to other countries so it's normal for another country to kind of speak a little bit of English in those tourist 
tourist areas. But when you when you get further out and you know you get into the countrysides, you're gonna have a lot less of that, you know, speaking English. But to to continue on with this, why why do I personally not like this? First, the premise itself is not necessarily wrong. I, I think you can still pick it apart, though. Because a child speaking their own... It, it, I don't think it's wrong, because a, a child speaking their own language is, is not wrong. You know, if, if a child is speaking Spanish, and they, they grew up in Spain, or, or they grew up in Mexico, wherever it be, then that's fine. They can speak Spanish. I'm, I'm fine with that. However, the issue is, I think the issue finds itself in the underlying heart issue, right? What, what are we saying? What, what we are saying is that in a country of English speakers, these students speak their native language and are being taught in their, in their language, right? And what does that do when they graduate? Does their schooling set them up to live life in society? Absolutely not. Instead of conversing with, being able to converse with people, they will have to segregate themselves to only the people who can speak their language. I think that's a little bit of the point. The point is to segregate them. The point is to divide people. A house divided cannot stand. That's very funny that I, that, that, that kind of comes up now. But, um, now I have to ask the broader question. How does this affect the culture, right? Because we know that these these now kids are going to grow up and then go on to influence the culture. And what are they bringing to that culture? What is this training that they're receiving and this mindset that they have now? What is that doing to the culture? The broader issue is that people now feel as if their natural state or where they started off as a child is where they should be. Or they, or that their natural state state should be respected or celebrated. As our verse of the week insinuated, the pastors have kind of facilitated this by saying, "God loves God loves you as you are." That's very true. God says, "Come, come as you are," right? But God also, to add to this, God also hates sin specifically hates our sin and if we let sin run rampant in our lives then do we truly love god right so go, kind of coming back to this now learning a new language is not a sin right but it is more important but but is it more important to know your native language and not the language of those who live in your country there are too many wrong ideologies, too many wrong ideologies and ideas in our society, and really it boils down to we're trusting our own understanding. We we trust that our natural state is good and that it should be celebrated. That, that's kind yeah. of where I wanted to go with this. That these these kids are now going to grow up thinking entitled, you know. Yeah. And yeah, also, and yeah. Keep go going. Ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but also, they're, they're also now going to be segregated from other people. Now they can, now it's going to be just a boiling chamber in between two, two societies, or, or three, yeah. or four, and 
you know. Yeah, well, and add to that the the postmodern belief which we're living in now, or whatever is post postmodern, <laughs> right? It's kind yeah, of where post, we are post-modern. now. But um, the the whole postmodern worldview, that system of belief, says there is no true um, and false. Right? There's no right or wrong. There's only your story. There's only you as you are right now. There's no spectrum upon which to grow and get better. No goals in life to attain other than your own happiness and your own wealth. Right? There's no higher um, calling. There's nothing higher than yourself. And so this whole idea here is whatever you speak, there you are. Just stay there. I mean, why? You know, why grow? Why get better? Like Jake was talking about earlier, God doesn't leave us in our sin. We grow. We develop. We, yeah. We're moved from one degree of glory to another, right? That's sanctification is, yes, you come as you are, but then you grow from there, right? You come as you are, and then you're transformed in the image of God to what you are supposed to be, which is Christ-like, right? You're growing you're changing. You're becoming better than you are, as opposed to the postmodern idea, which is you are your best version. You are already your best self. There is no growing that needs to be done. So, yeah. Yeah. To add to this, um, the Biden-Harris administration uh, recently has been launching a bilingual is superpower, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, which, it, yeah, again, by itself does not seem wrong, does not sound wrong, Learning but it's language. like, it's, yeah, it's the, it's the underlying ag agenda that they're kind of pushing. Um, but with that said, we can move into a theological wrap up. Yes. So, um, thank you, Jake. That was wonderful. Um, and actually, it, it takes us right into, I, I think we need to step back for a second, and things can get complicated, and Jake's like, yeah, on its own, that could be right, but actually, there's more complex things happening, and things get ridiculously complicated if we're just looking at um, politics, which is why the Bible is what we should be going back to, to cut through all the murk, cut through all the, the crazy confusingness, right? So... Um, I want to take a look at what the Bible says about language. And I've titled this wrap-up, Heard in His Own Language. Heard in His Own Language. We've discussed many times before on the show the impact that Christ's ascension to his kingly throne had on earth, right? We talk about that all the time. The restoration of all things is a common theme running through scripture. And the victory of our king is making that a reality. The restoration of all things is becoming a reality. What we sometimes forget to add to our list of renewed things, however, is communication. Communication is being renewed. And I'd like to read a passage from Genesis 11, which gives us some context into the history of language in our world. The brunt of this story demonstrates that varied language is not something that was pre-fall, but rather a result of man's sin. Quote, now, the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, 
They are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there, over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. That's Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Notice that because of man's arrogance, God confused our language, right? Because of our arrogance, because of the people's arrogance at the Tower of Babel, God had to confuse our language. He divided people and he caused them to be dispersed by their languages, just like the segregation Jacob was just talking about, right? That's a result of arrogance, that's not a good thing. <laughs> that, that, that is post-fall. That's part of the fall, part of the curse. That This, though, them being dispersed, hindered evil from growing. And it became a normal part of life under the curse. Man's ability to get things done has been hampered and suppressed for thousands of years by the now built-in language barrier. And before Christ's work on the cross, this served as something like a pressure relief valve. Right, keeping us from massively destroying ourselves and others in our sin. So when sin would get too too big, well, uh, there was kind of that limit, right? Well, we don't speak this language, so multiple groups of people doing the same evil things couldn't quite join up together and do evil together on that same scale, right? So that was that pressure relief valve. It could only get so bad. But in this new heaven and earth, things are different. And this is Acts 2. 1 through 12. Quote, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Or Galileans, sorry. And is this, and is it that we, and, and how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and uh, Alamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and um, Pamphylia, uh, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arab, uh, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Acts 2, 1 through 12. One of the things we see the Holy Spirit do in the book of Acts is begin to break the barrier of language that held man back for so long. Since then, we've seen remarkable advancements made in the field of linguistic studies. We even have the ability to translate languages using our smartphones, smartphones, smartphones in almost real time. The ability for us to communicate with other people has dramatically increased over the last 2,000 years. And this has led to improvements in quality of life. It's led to remarkable improvements all around, but it's also led to improvements in our ability to share the gospel. Think about it. Who is one of our top theologians today? John Calvin. He didn't write in English. He wrote in French 
And we're able to understand what he wrote about. Think about Martin Luther, who wrote in German and translated the Bible into the German language so that Germans could understand it. And now we today are able to understand it in English because of people like Tyndale and others, right? These massive leaps forward in theology have almost always come from people translating the Bible and translating works of theologians. That is us breaking the language barrier, which is now possible through Christ's restoration of the earth. This is an incredible thing. I want to end with a passage should be very familiar to you by now. It's one of our absolute favorite Bible verses, but maybe you haven't thought about it in this context before. Daniel 7, 14, quote, And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel 7, 14. So we'll end with that. Language is something that is uh, rapidly unifying, something that we're all learning to communicate in. We're, we're breaking that barrier. And that is an incredible blessing from God. And so when these people want to do what they've done, segregate again, deny progress, deny the restoration of humans into one tongue again, deny that, what they're doing is going against the restoration of Christ. What they're doing is trying to say, no, we don't want a restoration back to what it was before the Tower of Babel. No, 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 no. We don't want that. We want to divide. Because it's always easier for Satan to conquer, for Satan to strike when people are divided. And that's exactly what this is. Any last second thoughts, Jake, before you want to, uh, before we wrap up? <clears throat> I think along with like your last point there, the fact that evil cannot create, it can only destroy and disfigure. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it can't bring together languages because that would be helpful. Right. It, right. It, would, it can only break <clears throat> the languages, segregate them, divide them, and that's the best, <clears throat> that's the best, uh, best tactic uh, evil has. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. So, of course, keep learning languages. Keep studying, keep growing, and uh, hopefully this has been insightful. Thank you for listening or watching us today. Thank you, Jake, for all your research into this. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we break down the final chapter we have decided to read this month in the book Paradise Restored by David Chilton. You don't want to miss that episode on Wednesday coming at you. And uh, then we don't have a Friday episode this week, so nothing there, but we are getting all set for December. The last month of 2023 is almost upon us. We have got a brand new book picked out, and I think we'll probably announce it on Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all. Don't forget, our show website is on trdshow.net. Um, that's our show website. We have a platform on the website where you can find all of our episodes. We also have series, serieses, uh, whatever the plural form of series is. Uh, you can find collections of our episodes. So if you wanted to catch up on all of our Paradise Restored videos, I think we've done four of them so far. They're all in a series, all to themselves, on trdshow.net for free. Also, all of our Chronicles of Narnia, the books we read, I think we read four or five of those. Those are all in their own series. Um, you find all of our, most of our previous books that we've read are there as well. So definitely check those out, trdshow.net slash series dash library is where you can find those or just go to trdshow.net. Click the link right there. Should be pretty simple. 
Thanks again. We're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday. And uh, remember, everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord.